0: Just outside of St. Petersburg, two men moved through the darkness toward the frozen surface of the Malaya-Nevka River. They carried a long, heavy bundle wrapped in cloth, the lifeless body of Grigori Rasputin.
1: After poisoning, shooting, and bludgeoning the mystic, Rasputin had finally been killed. Now, Grand Duke Dmitry Pavlovich and Dr. Stanislaus Lazavert just had to dispose of him. They found a small hole in the ice and kicked at it until it was big enough to fit a man through.
0: Dimitri and Lazavert tied a heavy rock to Rasputin's feet and slid the corpse across the ice. As he inched closer to his watery grave, Rasputin took a faint breath.
1: For the second time in mere hours, Rasputin had returned from the great beyond. But this time, bound tightly in layers of cloth... There was no way to escape his fate. Dmitri pushed Rasputin through the ice and leapt back, watching him sink into the river's rapid tide.
0: Bubbles of breath rose to the surface as Rasputin's lungs filled with water. Then they stopped. The son of Siberia was dead, sent to his eternal rest in the bitter cold.
1: One death can change the world. At least, that's what assassins believe. Every week, we examine the famous assassins of history and the men and women who were assassinated.
0: Welcome to Assassinations. I'm your host, Bill Thomas.
1: And I'm your host, Kate Leonard. This is our second episode on Grigory Rasputin, the Russian mystic who was killed by Prince Felix Yusupov, the richest nobleman in Russia.
0: It was the small hours of the morning on December 30th, 1916. 29-year-old Prince Felix stood in the snow over the motionless body of Rasputin, hoping beyond hope that he'd stay that way. His co-conspirators gathered around. Their assassination plan had just gone terribly sideways.
1: It had taken a series of gunshots and a wild chase through the courtyard of the Moika Palace to take Rasputin down. Needless to say, the noise caught the attention of the neighbors and the local police were already on their way.
0: Prince Felix was a nobleman and a relative by marriage of the royal family. Even if the police did find him hanging around with a dead body, they'd be powerless to arrest him without approval from the Tsar. But that was what worried Felix most. If the Tsarina found out he'd killed her beloved Rasputin, she'd surely have him executed.
1: They needed to get rid of the body and fast. Prince Felix relegated that job to Grand Duke Dmitry Pavlovich, another nobleman who had helped him plan the assassination, and Dr. Stanislaus Lazovert, who'd given them the cyanide to poison Rasputin.
0: Prince Felix told Grand Duke Dmitri and Dr. Lazovert to wrap up the corpse and dispose of it somewhere outside of town. Meanwhile, Felix and the last co-conspirator, a staunchly anti-Rasputin politician, Vladimir Perishkovich, would stay back and talk to the police.
1: Prince Felix hurried back inside, brushed the snow from his clothes, checked himself for blood, and forced a smile onto his face.
0: When the policeman arrived, Felix had shifted back to his normal, charming self. He'd let him in and whipped up a tale to explain the gunshots, something about a drunken guest and an unruly dog. Vladimir stood behind him, nodding along, trying to remain calm.
1: The policeman was satisfied with that explanation. He was just about to leave when Vladimir opened his mouth. Overcome with excitement, he blurted out that they'd killed Rasputin.
0: After realizing what he'd just said, Vladimir rushed forward and grabbed the policeman. He proclaimed his status as a high-ranking politician and made the officer swear an oath of silence.
1: Panicked and a little bit confused, the policeman swore he'd never whisper a word of what Vladimir had told him unless he was under oath. He immediately headed for the door. Vladimir followed and walked him out to his car.
0: Prince Felix was dazed. As soon as he could process what had just happened, he hurried out to the courtyard to clean up the blood. He was already planning his next move. He'd make haste to the Alexander Palace where his brother-in-law lived. If anyone asked, he'd pretend he was there the whole night.
1: When Felix arrived at the palace, he was greeted by his brother-in-law. Felix embraced him and told him the good news. Rasputin was finally dead.
0: Prince Felix went inside, ready for a good night's rest. He slept soundly, confident that with Rasputin dead, they were a step closer to saving Russia. All he needed to do now was evade the Tsarina's wrath.
1: Prince Felix slept into the afternoon. He was awoken by the news that St. Petersburg's police superintendent, General Grigoriev, was waiting in the next room and wanted to speak to him immediately. Felix pulled on his clothes and went to greet him.
0: The superintendent wasn't there for a friendly visit. The moment Felix sat down, he started grilling him. He asked Prince Felix if Rasputin had been a guest at his house the night before. Prince Felix said no. Then he asked about the gunshots that his neighbors had heard in the middle of the night.
1: Felix calmly recounted the same story he told the last officer about the drunken guest and the unruly
0: dog. It didn't work this time. General Grigoriev told Prince Felix rather sternly that the gunshots and the sudden disappearance of Rasputin coincided. Even more strangely, when one of his officers arrived to investigate the gunshots, a certain Vladimir Perishkovich had told him that he and Felix had killed Rasputin. He could only see one explanation.
1: But Prince Felix improvised another. He smiled and told the superintendent that Vladimir had been drunk. He'd simply meant that the dog they'd shot was equal in honor to the scoundrel Rasputin.
0: General Grigoriev nodded, told Prince Felix he'd pass his alibi along and got up to leave. Felix was safe once again.
1: However, while Felix had been speaking to the police superintendent, a friend of his, Munya Golovina, had called several times, demanding to speak to him.
0: Munya was a devoted acolyte of Rasputin. She'd been the one who introduced him to Felix seven years earlier. She was probably the last person Felix wanted to speak to, but in an effort to appear like everything was normal, he agreed to visit her.
1: When he arrived at Munya's house, he found her in hysterics. She clutched him and begged to know what he'd done with Rasputin. No one had heard from him since he left for Felix's house the night before.
0: Felix claimed he didn't know what she was talking about. Rasputin hadn't been to his house. He'd had another guest over, someone who got very drunk and shot a dog. So if she'd heard about any gunshots, that's what happened. He definitely didn't shoot Rasputin.
1: Munya sobbed into Felix's shoulder and told him that the Tsarina thought Rasputin had been murdered. Even worse, the Tsarina suspected that Felix was the one who'd done it.
0: Felix calmly removed himself from Munya's grip. He asked her to call the Sarskoya Silo, where the Romanovs lived, and ask for an audience with the Tsarina.
1: Surprisingly, the Tsarina not only agreed, she asked to see Felix immediately.
0: Prince Felix began to leave, but Munya warned him to be careful. She knew the Tsarina well, and she could tell by the phone conversation that she was out of her mind. If Felix went to see her, she might have him executed on the spot.
1: Prince Felix was on a roll. He talked his way out of trouble with two police officers, and now Munya. He was confident he could charm the Tsarina, too.
0: But just as Felix was about to walk out the door, Munya's phone rang again. It was an agent from the Sarskoye silo relaying the message that the Tsarina had just fallen victim to a fainting spell and could no longer meet. Instead, she wanted Felix to write up his account of what had happened the night before and send it over.
1: Felix found that pretty suspicious. He wasn't sure what the Tsarina was up to, but he figured it wasn't good. He decided it might be high time to get out of St. Petersburg.
0: Prince Felix raced back to the Alexander Palace to collect his things. On the way, he was stopped by a friend. Bursting with excitement, he told Felix he'd heard a rumor that Rasputin had been killed by traveling Romani people.
1: Felix was relieved to hear there was another suspect. He weaseled out of the conversation and continued back to the palace.
0: Once he got there, he found a note from the chief commissioner of police, General Balk. He wanted to question Felix immediately at the police station.
1: It was just after noon on December 30th. It hadn't been 12 hours since Rasputin's murder and Felix was about to have his third encounter with police.
0: When Felix arrived at the police station, General Balk was already waiting. He told Felix that on the Tsarina's orders, officers were already on the way to the Moika Palace to look for clues about Rasputin's disappearance.
1: Ever the quick thinker, Felix flew into a rage. He told General Balk that under imperial law, the Tsarina had no authority to order a search. Felix was a man with a title, the dear husband of the Tsar's only niece, Only the Tsar himself could order that his house be searched.
0: Balk had to concede. Felix was right. And the Tsar was currently out of the country commanding troops. Contacting him would be impossible. Begrudgingly, Balk told his officers to call off the search.
1: Felix was beginning to feel like the Rasputin of police interrogations. Whatever deathly situation he was thrown into, he miraculously survived it.
0: The police commissioner had no choice but to let him leave. Felix hurried on his way to the train station. His plan was to get out of town before his luck ran out and head back to Crimea, where his wife and daughter lived.
1: But as he got near the train station, he saw it was swarming with police. He tried to duck out of view, but before he could step foot on the train, he was apprehended. Under the authority of the Tsarina, he was forbidden to leave the city. He was to return to his estate until further notice.
0: On the other side of St. Petersburg, Grand Duke Dimitri was apprehended as well. He was told to return to his own home and stay there.
1: Neither of them were officially under arrest yet. Only the Tsar had the authority to do that. But the day the Tsar returned from the war front might be the last day of Prince Felix's life.
0: Up next... We'll explore how Prince Felix used his wits to evade royal punishment. Now, back to the story.
1: By the time the sun rose on December 31, 1916, everyone in St. Petersburg had heard that Prince Felix Yusupov killed Grigory Rasputin. It was barely more than 24 hours after the crime, and maybe 18 hours since Felix was put on house arrest. But as he paced the halls of his palace, he saw his chances of exoneration slipping away.
0: Rasputin didn't have many fans, but the followers he did have were obsessively devoted. They wanted Felix's blood, and they knew exactly where to find him. And even if no vigilante killed him, the Tsarina would have him executed anyway.
1: But Felix did have his supporters. Surprisingly, one of them was Tsar Nicholas II, One of Felix's military friends sent word that when the Tsar heard Rasputin was dead, he was absolutely jovial about it.
0: By this point, the Tsar had had enough of the mad monk's antics. Rasputin's influence enraged the Russian people, but dismissing him would enrage the Tsarina, and Nicholas was far more afraid of his wife than of the populace. Felix had just wiped the whole problem off his plate.
1: This news came as a relief to Felix, but it also reaffirmed his fear that the Tsar was useless in the face of his wife's rage. If the Tsarina wanted Felix put to death, Uncle Nicholas wouldn't be
0: much help. Early the next morning on January 1st, 1916, the Tsar was finally back in St. Petersburg. He went directly to the royal residence to console the Tsarina.
1: That evening, Workers noticed blood on a bridge over the Malaya Nevka River. Just below the bridge, a stray boot was lying on the ice.
0: Police searched the area and found Rasputin's frozen corpse under the ice. The cause of death was initially assumed to be the gunshot wound to his forehead, but the autopsy revealed a wide variety of wounds, including three gunshots and a deep slice through his left side. Rasputin hadn't gone easily.
1: Combined with the gunshots heard at the Moika Palace, Vladimir Perishkovich's confession, and Prince Felix's generally suspicious behavior, the truth was evident to the investigators. Prince Felix and Grand Duke Dmitri definitely had something to do with this.
0: The next day, January 2nd, both Felix and Dmitri pleaded for an audience with the Tsar. Both their requests were flatly denied.
1: Prince Felix reached out to the one person the Tsar would always listen to, his father-in-law, Grand Duke Alexander Mikhailovich, who was also the Tsar's brother-in-law.
0: For both personal and political reasons, it behooved Alexander to save his son-in-law from execution and smooth things over with his trusted Tsar. He immediately rushed over from his home in Kiev.
1: On his way to the capital, Grand Duke Alexander noticed that Rasputin's death was front-page news in every paper. But there was no outrage. People from every city and every social class were celebrating. It was as if a dark cloud had been lifted from over Russia.
0: By the time Alexander made it to St. Petersburg, he knew exactly what to say to save Felix's life. He told the Tsar that if he truly loved Russia, he should be glad to see Rasputin gone. His death had united Russia for the first time since the outbreak of World War I. Pursuing his assassins would only distract from the moment of unity. That unity, he argued, could be harnessed to quell the communist rebels and gain momentum for the war effort.
1: The Tsar weighed his options. Grand Duke Alexander was correct, but the Tsarina would never let the assassins walk free. The next day, on January 3rd, he handed Prince Felix and Grand Duke Dmitri their fates.
0: Both men were immediately exiled from St. Petersburg.
1: Dmitri, who was in the military, was permanently reassigned to a base in Persia. Felix made his way back to Crimea to reunite with his wife and daughter.
0: The two men stayed silent about their co conspirators and Vladimir and Dr. Lazavard got away clean.
1: The assassins had been banished for good, but the saga of Rasputin's assassination was far from over.
0: The communists had based their entire propaganda strategy on whipping up hate for Rasputin, claiming his influence was the cause of all of Russia's woes. Now that he was dead, at the hands of the Tsar's own family, no less, they needed a change in strategy.
1: In the first weeks of January, 1917, the communists, who now called themselves Soviets, waged a new campaign to show the people that the problem was never Rasputin. It was the Tsar and Tsarina themselves. The mad monk was dead, but the war was still raging on,
0: wasn't it? The Russian army was mostly made up of the lower classes, and after a series of losses on the battlefield, Tsar Nicholas had taken full command of the army himself. Every dead soldier was ready-made propaganda against the ruling class.
1: In what turned out to be an ill-advised move after Prince Felix and Grand Duke Dmitry were exiled, the Tsar banned all Russian publications from ever printing the name Rasputin again. Without a juicy assassination to fill their front pages, the papers started talking about the war and the Tsar's incompetent leadership, just as the Soviets wanted
0: By March, the Soviets had united the working class and begun what's known as the February Revolution. At the time, Russia followed the Julian calendar, not the Gregorian calendar, hence the naming discrepancy.
1: On March 8th, 90,000 protesters flooded the streets of the capital. The police tried to keep order, but by the next day, the mobs had completely destroyed most of the police stations. The entire capital became a war zone, literally overnight.
0: By March 11th, the army was called in. But with limited resources due to the ongoing war in Germany, they were ill-prepared to control the uprising. By March 12th, the Russian army was so frustrated that they switched sides and started helping the protesters.
1: St. Petersburg had fallen into the Soviets' power. On March 15th, Tsar Nicholas II admitted defeat and abdicated the throne. Over 300 years of Romanov rule had come to an end. The Soviets were now in charge.
0: Immediately after the February Revolution, the Soviets had Rasputin's body dug up and set on fire just to prove he was dead.
1: It's said that when his corpse was set ablaze, he miraculously sat up and sent the people gathered running away in fear. This is probably just a superstitious rumor, but even if Rasputin's earthly body was dead, his legacy was still alive and wreaking havoc.
0: With the Tsar out of power, Prince Felix's exile was nullified. He was once again allowed to travel back into St. Petersburg. However, when he arrived, he barely recognized the city he'd once called home.
1: The city was entirely covered in red. Everyone was calling each other comrade. The air was volatile, as several different Soviet factions were vying for power. But the communists had instituted a sort of equality. Anyone, rich or poor, could be killed at any moment.
0: Felix was surprised to find that he'd become a folk hero among the Soviets, Everywhere he went, people cheered him and called on him to tell the story of the night he killed Rasputin. Felix
1: didn't soak up this admiration. He had a feeling the Soviets applauding him today could be executing him tomorrow. The main purpose of his trip to the city was to smuggle as many valuables as possible out of the Moika Palace and back to Crimea.
0: The Soviets made a habit of seizing money and property from the former aristocrats. With extreme caution, he made several trips back and forth, taking whatever he could carry from his old palace.
1: These smuggling trips slowed down in the fall as the political battles intensified. In November 1917, the Bolshevik Party finally overthrew the provisional government that had been ruling, at least on paper, since the Tsar's abdication. Their leader, Vladimir Lenin, quickly signed a treaty to end Russia's involvement in World War I.
0: This wasn't good news for Prince Felix. Russian sailors waged a mutiny against their new Soviet leadership, wreaking havoc across the southern coast. In early 1918, a particularly ruthless band of soldiers raided Yalta, where Prince Felix and his family were staying.
1: Felix heard men riding up to his house on horseback, screaming, Death to the bourgeois! Death to the anti-revolutionists! Death to the landlords! He stepped outside and saw two heavily armed sailors, covered in blood, forcing their way into his courtyard.
0: They dismounted and demanded to go inside. They just wanted to talk, have a few drinks. Felix couldn't exactly say no.
1: As Prince Felix poured their drinks, he was wondering how they'd take their rage out on him as a well-known aristocrat. His wife and young daughter were upstairs. The soldiers would probably kill them all.
0: His hand trembled as he took a sip of his drink, but the men sitting across from him didn't look angry anymore. To his astonishment, they asked him with childlike curiosity, Are you really the man that killed Rasputin?
1: Felix said that he was. The men laughed and toasted to his health. Then, they asked Felix to tell them the tale of how Rasputin died.
0: Later, more sailors arrived. They all cheered Felix as he entertained them with stories of Rasputin. Felix pulled out a guitar and sang songs with the renegade raiders until the early hours of the morning.
1: Later in 1918... Tsar Nicholas II and his entire family were murdered by the Soviets. But as his fellow aristocrats were being arrested and killed across Russia, Prince Felix's reputation as Rasputin's murderer kept him and his family alive and happy.
0: Rasputin's death changed the world more than Prince Felix had ever anticipated. But what if the assassination attempt had failed? Exactly how different would the world be today?
1: Coming up, we'll look at what might have happened if Rasputin had survived his assassination.
0: Now, back to the story.
1: According to Prince Felix's account, Rasputin survived being poisoned, shot in the forehead, bludgeoned, and tossed into an icy river. Some folklore suggests he also survived being drowned and burned to a crisp. The man was nearly unkillable.
0: What would have happened if Rasputin was actually unkillable? If he'd survived through the entire night of December 29, 1916.
1: One thing is certain, he wouldn't be happy with Prince Felix. Rasputin probably would have immediately told the Tsarina of Felix's attempted murder. In turn, she would have placed Felix under house arrest until the Tsar returned to Russia.
0: After the assassination, the Tsar showed mercy on Felix and Grand Duke Dmitry because they took care of his Rasputin problem once and for all. But if their attempt had failed, it would have only created more problems.
1: Tsar Nicholas probably would have folded to pressure from the Tsarina and had the assassins put to death, or at least imprisoned and Rasputin would retain his seat at the foot of the royal throne.
0: Rasputin might have cited his ability to foresee Prince Felix's assassination attempt as proof of his prophetic abilities. He would have pleaded for an end to the war with Germany, detailing a dark premonition of what might happen if the battle continued.
1: It's well established that Rasputin was never in favor of the war. After his first assassination attempt in 1914, he'd had a vision of a bloody end to the Romanov dynasty if Russia entered a war with Germany.
0: In hindsight, Rasputin's prophecy was eerily accurate, but the Tsar rejected his advice and marched his troops into battle anyway.
1: But by the beginning of 1917, with the war effort going south and his popularity waning, Tsar Nicholas might have listened to Rasputin this time around. By the end of January... The Tsar probably would have negotiated a treaty with his cousin, the Kaiser of Germany, ending the war on the Eastern
0: Front. There are too many contingencies at play to predict how this would have changed the final outcome of World War I. But if Germany completely surrendered, or the treaty spurred an armistice by all sides, World War I may have ended more than a year early, with much less destruction sustained.
1: And with less dire conditions in Germany, the pieces wouldn't have fallen into place for World War II to happen at all.
0: Ending the war with Germany would have boosted Tsar Nicholas's popularity too. Without the war as a rallying point, the communists in Russia may not have garnered enough support for their February revolution.
1: While the communists would have continued to campaign against the Tsar, war or no war, their movement would have lost a lot of steam in the coming years. Even if the Tsar kept the wildly unpopular Rasputin as an advisor, a restoration of peace and economic stability would have calmed the nation's revolutionary sentiments. In
0: 1924, the communist effort would have been dealt its final blow with the passing of its most outspoken leader, Vladimir Lenin. It's possible the communists, or another revolutionary movement, would have dethroned the Romanovs eventually and instituted their own leader. But it wouldn't have been Vladimir Lenin.
1: And his successor wouldn't have been Joseph Stalin.
0: With no communist revolution, no Soviet Union, and possibly no World War II, the rest of the 20th century would have been completely unrecognizable to us. The next few decades might have been peaceful, or there might have been new and unforeseen conflicts to contend with.
1: Instead of a Cold War, a princess of the House of Romanov might have married an heir to the Kennedy clan and united America and Russia as two of the world's closest allies.
0: And all this because of a drunk peasant mystic named Grigory Rasputin.
1: Of course, this is all speculation. It's also possible that Tsar Nicholas wouldn't have been able to negotiate a peaceful end to the war, even if he wanted to, or that Rasputin's unpopularity alone would have been enough to push the Russian people to revolution.
0: We'll never know what the world would have looked like if Tsar Nicholas II wasn't overthrown. Russia traded the devil they knew for the devil they didn't know. That new devil painted the entire country red with the blood of his own people.
1: After Stalin's death in 1953, many Russians who had lived through Nicholas II's reign noted that, as bad as they'd perceived Rasputin to be, he was no Joseph Stalin. Thanks for listening to Assassinations.
0: You can find more episodes of Assassinations as well as all of ParCast's other podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast directory.
1: Several of you have asked how to help us. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review.
0: And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time.
1: Assassinations was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the ParCast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Michael Langsner, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler. Additional production assistance by Carly Madden and Maggie Admire. Assassinations is written by Sammy Sarzoza and stars Kate Leonard and Bill Thomas.